0: Shares of car lots dropped 8.5% today following its first earnings report as a public company. But as we've been discussing the backdrop for vehicle buying and moving to the burbs has been a big story for vehicles, let's bring in the CEO and hear about what's going on. Michael Bohr is a co founder as well as the chief executive officer. Mike, thanks for coming on the TD Ameritrade Network. I want you to first explain to us how you differ from some of your peers. We spent a lot of time this past year talking about autos, given that there was this big push in vehicle sales. But from what I understand, you guys do things a little bit differently. And from what it seems that it comes from the side of selling the cars as well, which one obviously can't do for some of these e-commerce vehicle plays. So, walk me through how you differ from a standard car dealership.
1: Sure, We're the only consignment to retail sales platform out there and so we work for individuals who have cars to sell and we work for companies that have cars to sell and what we do like for example if you had a a vehicle to sell uh, you would you perhaps would try to trade it in at a dealer and be offered an amount that was unsatisfactory for alternative then would be to sell it on your own either Craigslist or parking it on the side of the road Um, and that then involves a bunch of risk and uncertainty hassle that you might not want and so what our business does is take your vehicle, we sell it for you, we recondition it, professionally merchandise it, market it, get it sold for you, and in our experience, we end up with a net check for you that is several thousand dollars more than you would have gotten had you traded it in or sold it to a car buying service. So we do that for the consumer seller of a vehicle, and we do it for big corporations and fleet management companies, banks, OEMs, um, Fortune 500s, any, any business that has vehicles to sell, we sell vehicles for them. Now we do that through our omni-channel platform. So whether you'd like to buy a vehicle for a buyer, whether you'd like to buy a vehicle fully online or fully in our hub face-to-face with uh, someone who can help you do that buying, um, we can handle it any which way, and, and most people are somewhere in between. They begin their journey online, and at some point, they transition off of the online journey because they want some help. It's an intimidating process to buy a vehicle. It's often a very expensive purchase. Financing involved. There are lots of questions, and so our full omni Channel platform uh, infuses a bunch of humanity into a, a process that can fully technologically
0: Michael, you mentioned that when you are buying, price, uh, buying cars, it sounded like you're saying that there's sort of a guarantee or a known that you're going to be giving a price higher than what one would get elsewhere. How do you, how do you know that?
1: Yeah, so you know, we work with um, the assumption that the wholesale values are less than retail values. I think that's a, a general rule that a lot of people buy into. Uh, what a, what a, a dealer is willing to pay you for your trade-in is a wholesale value. What a company can sell a vehicle for at an auction is a wholesale value. What happens in the supply chain of vehicles, those vehicles then get reconditioned, professionally marketed and sold by some dealers and they sell it at a retail value. Well, with us, we'll sell your vehicle for you at retail and net of our fee, expenses required to get that vehicle prepped for sale, you'll end up with something much greater than wholesale value. And in our experience, it's thousands of dollars.
0: Hmm. Now and walk me through how you're, and I think you kind of hinted at this prior, but how you're able to generate that basically premium for the seller. Is that because you have the widest network of potential buyers on the other side that are already lined up? Do you have data so you can see? Where are you able to afford that margin where others can't?
1: Yeah, well, the others, uh, the others get the margin, they just keep it for themselves okay. for a service a seller that takes that margin that the dealer would otherwise get, and we essentially split it between us and the seller who's selling the car. So it's it's much like consignment in okay. any other industry. Uh, people consign furniture, they consign clothes, uh, and with us, uh, they can consign vehicles. And we again, we professionally merchandise and market these vehicles. So these vehicles are everywhere across the country for anybody to buy, and we price them competitively with retail. So if you see a Jeep Wrangler like you just saw priced at an online or physical dealership, our pricing will be slightly less than that. But we don't own the vehicle when we're selling it. You still own it while we're selling it. And then once we sell it, we cut you a check for that retail amount, less the fee that that we uh, charge, about $1,000. And you end up with several thousand dollars more than you would have had you accepted the low uh, dealer offer for that vehicle.
0: Now, is I could be jumping too far uh, to conclusions here, but it sounds like then as far as the competitive advantage for you, it seems like this is a scale game where if you are able to, if you're not taking that premium that the competitors are, this is about making scale and making car sellers and the customer aware that you exist so that they go to you instead of the peers. I mean, it sounds like basically what you're doing is just taking the pricing model and pretty much undercutting it and then gaining customers through that way, right?
1: Part of it is scale, which is why we're growing three to four cities, three to four hub markets a quarter over the next several years. Uh, We'll add 14 to 16 hubs this year to, to build that scale. But part of it, and the bigger part, is just what we think is a better business model. Uh, We don't have the the risk or the cost of holding inventory, because that inventory is held by you until we sell it for you. So a big big portion. Yeah. So you know, a a dealer has to go out and buy a whole bunch of vehicles. Uh, They take those on their balance sheet uh, as risk capital. They have to pay uh, fees and uh, interest rates, interest on the floor plan that they use to finance all those vehicles. So for the vehicles that are consigned to us, there's no cost to us mm-hmm. until we sell it, and then we pay you the cost, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and we take a fee. And so it's it's fundamentally a different structure of a business model. Uh, it includes way less expense, uh, but we're still driving considerable volumes. Sure, uh, we you know 40% top top line last quarter, and and uh, you
0: know we anticipate significant growth over the coming year. So you don't hold the inventory, you don't have the cost associated with that, you wait until you've matched the buyer and the seller before you take it on and you give the deal And With that lower cost on your end, then you can pass that on and have the better pricing for the customer. Makes sense. It, um, I'm not a car owner, but it makes sense, uh, the, the logic here, Mike. What I'm curious about is how come in the past quarter you did better revenues, but it looks like the bottom line loss actually widened out. What happened there?
1: Yeah, so we've embarked on a very aggressive growth strategy for uh, the next year or two, three. Uh, we're we're tripling the size of the business this coming year. Um, but now we did our gross profit and our GPU grow very nicely 2020 over 2019, um, and we anticipate significant growth uh, this coming year as well. All that growth comes with you know additional uh, corporate expenses and SGA that that were all you know very predictable. So. Um, you know, we, we believe we're operating to our plan and uh, essentially you know, driving, the tro- driving the top line and very attractive.
0: Okay, so there's that, that scale element. It seems like coming back here where you're gonna have to spend to get this message out, right? I mean, for folks who have done a traditional way of business, they've got to learn about car lots and the offering there to really help that revenue keep going up. So then should we expect marketing hiring expenses from here or do you generally have of uh, the uh, staffing that you need or the marketing expenses that you need? Or is that just gonna kind of keep going linearly with however many geographies and areas you wanna push into?
1: Yeah, so you know when we when we are growing our hubs, we typically do a kind of year one marketing push that is more expensive that first year than it going forward. And we've seen that with the hubs we've opened date. We've actually um, pulled about a million and a half per new hub that we're opening Uh, of marketing expense that we plan for this coming year and and the following. Um, And and so that uh, is spent in the first year of that hub, Um, but then going forward, our marketing expenses have proven to be much less than uh, than the competition or than than what is acceptable in the industry. Uh, Because our pricing is great, our service is fantastic. We have tremendous reviews from all the uh, guests that come and and buy vehicles from us. Uh, We have a lot of technology that makes the process uh, very uh, easy and we wrap all that with vanity, with our great people that uh, make the process terrific and magical for the guests who buy vehicles from us.
0: Okay. Mike, thanks for the details here. really appreciate uh, the uh, the description and uh, the deep dive into the business model. Let's uh, keep in touch for sure.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much for your time.
0: Thank you. Michael Boer is the co-founder and CEO at CarLot.